And before we begin, I just love it when we sing Arise, My Soul Arise. My friend Kevin Twitt started retuning old hymns. There are a lot of amazing old hymns, but they sort of have organ tunes, which are cool. I like organ tunes. And he, he's a very accomplished musician and was a campus minister at Belmont, which has this big music ministry focus. And so he was getting all these students, and he started retuning these hymns, putting them to new music. They're just wonderful. I think he's done five or six albums now. And this was the very first song he ever did. Uh, he was sitting at a conference and, and loved the words of this song. And it was like, when you have Arise, My Soul Arise, and it's like, we got to like mix this up. So he started with this song, and he's gone from there. Uh, it's called Indelible Grace. Indelible Grace. I'll, I'll put a link to it. Anyone reading these links? I don't know. I sort of get a kick out of showing you things that I think are funny. Also, I don't always look at them all, so if there's things in there that take it with a grain of salt, right? <clears throat> okay, today we're talking about mistaken identities, of course. And there's this comedian guy. I'll put this link on there. I don't know if... I think it's okay. Um, his name's Jay Larson. And, and he starts his, his story with this question, which I ask you, what do you do when you get a phone call from a, a number you don't recognize? Most people don't answer it. I certainly don't answer it. If you leave me a message, I'll call you back once you tell me who you are. That has caused some problems. For example, one time I kept on getting the same phone call over and over and over again, but the person would never left a message. And I'm like, this person's very persistent, but I'm going to be also persistent. Well, I had forgotten to go pick up Drew. So it was an hour and a half late. Leave a message, man. Come on. So this Jay Larson guy gets a phone call. He's driving. He's bored. He answers it. And the, the, the guy on the other line says, hey, Bruce. It's not Bruce, you know, but he doesn't say. He's like, hey, what's up? He says, did you see the budget? It was supposed to be $15,000, but now it's $10,000. And so Jay is like, he instantly is like, I'm going with this. He's like, I know. I can't believe they did it. And, and so then the other guy says, well, did you ask Larry about it? And he says, I talked to Larry. Larry said it was okay. What about Jennifer? So now he's throwing in a new person who the other guy doesn't even know. So he goes on for this for a while. He gets several phone calls, uh, and he's like, he puts the guy's name, uh, I don't remember what his, a oh, random guy. And so he calls back, and if he's, he's like, there's this small business in New York that has no idea what's going on so much so they're talking to a stranger about what they don't know what's going on. What is Bruce going to say? So he eventually gets caught. Uh, they have a group call. And there's like two women on the call, and he's still pretending. <laughs> and they, they catch him, and he says, well, what's going on with the budget? I want to know. <laughs> okay, it's funny. <clears throat> Here, here's another one. Uh, I'm, I took my students in RUF, University of Oklahoma, to this uh, musical. Um, so we're talking 2008 or nine. We didn't get the same seat, so I'm sitting behind where they are, like 10 rows, it gets, it's, it's, intermission is over, they go sit down, and so I sneak behind one of them, and I open my phone, and I turn it on, and I hold it right in front of his face, this close, 
And when I don't get a reaction that I'm looking for, I just keep it held there. Well, of course you know what's going to happen, right? And I, <laughs> his name was Dan. I like, I tap Dan on the shoulder and it turns around. Not Dan. <laughs> no. I got one row too early. The, the guy behind Dan is like, what is this idiot doing? Okay, so we don't always know who we're messing with or who's messing with us. Jesus is not always what we expect. That's the point of this passage. Sometimes you can get the wrong guy. You think about how Jesus gets portrayed in our culture. If you Google Jesus, you're going to find a whole lot of stuff. Jesus, the macho man. Jesus, the effeminate. There, there's just everything you can imagine. Jesus duking it out in, the, in a ring with boxing gloves. You know, Jesus with a funny clown suit. We have these cultural images and expectations of, of who we've been taught Jesus is. And we also have it in the church. It's not just them out there. It's us in here. And it's really important to know that Jesus can throw you off. This is one of my favorite passages uh, in the whole Bible. I love this passage. We're we're using it as a a follow-up and a continuation from last week where we talked about uh, the crucifixion and resurrection. This is the next passage. John John has a different passage in this. Uh, He doesn't. This is the only time this shows up. Is what I'm trying to say. There, this sad walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's about seven miles. It would take two and a half hours if you really hoof it. Two hours if you're moseying, maybe three hours. And they're sad. They they had thought. Maybe Jesus was the Messiah. You think about, they know a lot, so maybe they were there, and they came for Passover, so maybe they lined the streets and put down their cloaks and said, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Maybe they had been tracking and and heard Jesus teach and, and, and share parables and throw over the tables. Maybe they had heard that he got arrested. I mean, they knew it now, but maybe they were around. And maybe they then lined the streets and yelled, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And maybe they came around and saw him on the cross. Their dreams dashed, shattered. There's no way a Messiah can be cursed and hang on a tree He'd said who he was. He said that he would raise. Now they're completely disappointed. Now, like I said, I've been here two months. I don't know what you're disappointed about. I don't know what you're sad about. I know this. You have disappointments. And you have sadness because you're a person. We all do. At City Press in Oklahoma City, 
I've mentioned this before, we, we would do impossible prayer requests. And I would always really try to like, you know, actually make them impossible, right? Uh, something you know can't happen. And a lot of those were like faith, a family member's faith. And that, that was a, that's true, that's a really good one. Or a, a reconciliation of a relationship. That was pretty common. Sometimes it was uh, <clears throat> a pregnancy. Um, that was pretty common. Doesn't always seem very impossible, but for some people it is. One I'll never forget, though, was a young woman, delightful, had been to seminary, was in ministry, and she wrote down that this next calendar year she would like to go on a date. That made me weep. That that becomes an impossible prayer request means she is so sad and doesn't really want to tell people how sad she is. Maybe you have ones about your spouse or your kids or your parents. Maybe it involves anxiety or depression or addiction or debt. Maybe you'd like to stop cutting or destroying your body with your eating disorder. Maybe you can't get rid of your hate or your rage or your shame, or your guilt, or you're just like, I can't be enough. Good enough, smart enough, talented enough, equipped enough, sexy enough. We have these demons and disappointments, and we go on these lonely walks of life. Me me, me too, right? Some of our struggles are, are spiritual struggles. Maybe it's health or relationship, but maybe it's, I used to believe and I don't anymore. God seems so far away. He used to be so close. We often come here to the church and look around and say, like, everyone's got their act together. Look at how everyone's so fine and, and, and beautiful. And all these obedient children. They're having all these theological conversations, right? Their houses seem clean. And so we don't feel like we fit in. We try to fake it, right? And here's another little, that's not true. That's not the way it is. I've been a pastor long enough to know. It's not the way things work. We are all broken people all struggling through. It looks different. It looks different. You can get an A on the test and flunk life. If you guys know Mike Kanjan, he's the pastor at Chapel Gate. I don't know what direction that is from here. And he has got this beautiful book, A, a Sometimes Stumbling Life. We're all stumbling ragamuffins. So if, you, if that's you, you'll fit right in. Glad to have you, right? I just don't know what all of your stuff is, and I've told you some of mine, but we all have failures, or else you're a liar or a Pharisee. So, so, so I think what, what I've learned <clears throat> is that it's really actually good when we can admit this. It really actually frees you up 
to be yourself and then maybe something can happen. It feels weird whenever you tell someone about your anguish or sadness or despair. You've met my wife, Julie. Um, she would tell you this, so that's why I'm telling you. She struggled with depression. And, and at City Press, we would do stories of rescue, and she stood up you know, and for five minutes told the church about her struggle with depression. That's not normal for anyone to do much less a pastor's wife. And so what happened, of course, is, oh, I can talk about my depression with her, with anyone, because we sort of let the cat out of the bag. That's freedom. Now, there's good stuff too, okay? Like this, you can share good stuff too. I'm not saying let's only share bad stuff. And, and so we share our ups and downs, our joys, our triumphs, our highlights, and our Heartaches. And in the midst of that, Jesus shows up. He's there. Walking. He's going to show them in a minute. He's going to change all that around. It's not immediate. He walks with their pain and confusion, right? He doesn't sidle up and say, Buck up, campers. Turn that frown upside down. Nobody likes a grumpy person. He walks with them in their sad walk. Number two, he has this interesting conversation, right? I'm calling it a sly conversation. Their sad walk, his sly conversation, right? A lot of times when we read about Jesus or we have him in our mind, you, you will instantly and for good reason, think of all the amazing things he did. Makes sense, right? He fed the 5,000. He walked on water. He went up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He raised people from the dead. <laughs> he, it's almost like he's always over the top. Every single time. Whatever you think is going to happen is going to blow your minds out. It's just not true. Remember, in this... We forget this. Jesus was a real person. So, so real persons are more complicated. Real persons aren't just one-dimensional. And there are times when Jesus doesn't heal. And he doesn't provoke. And he doesn't get angry. And he doesn't resurrect people. Sometimes, like in this passage, he's very understated. He had just raised from the dead. Now, I told you a couple weeks ago about my first marathon in Dallas. Remember it was cold, that one? Well, when I got done, you know, I trained for that six months. That's what you have to do most of the time. And... uh so when I was done, and you know, it, was, I, it was cold, and I was lying on the ground, and my legs all cramped up, and it was all this stuff. So when I got back after like two days later and recovered, you, what did I do? I told everyone about it. I mean, it wasn't even humble brag. It was just brag. Whatever. I ran a marathon. That's a life goal for a lot of people. It was for me. You could not get me to show up about it. I'm still talking and telling you about it. You've heard about it twice in two months. 
At least it's not a wrestling story, right? Okay, so Jesus, don't you think if he was like us, he would be hashtagging this like crazy? Just kicked Satan's booty. I defeated death. I just got back from hell. Literally. <laughs> so, so when he walks up, I would sure think he would say, It's me, yo! And what does he do? He's like, what are you guys talking about? Are you the only person who doesn't know what happened? Could you imagine sitting at a restaurant, expectation, with Lamar Jackson and not knowing who he was? I think some of you might, that could, if you're not a football fan, I could see it. But what if you were totally tracking, you knew who he was? How long would he let that go? Now, he might get a kick out of it, right? My daughter, Ruth, one time, she was waiting after school, and Anna's friend, Macy, my, my youngest daughter, my oldest daughter, my youngest daughter, Anna's friend Macy got picked up by her grandfather. And so she came home. I don't, I don't know why she told us that. Oh, yeah, well, I was with Macy and Anna, and Anna's, or Macy's grandfather came up. I said, do you know who Macy's grandfather is? No, they call him Grumpy. Well, do you know who Grumpy is? Barry Switzer. Barry Switzer, is the national football champion coach, the NFL Super Bowl champion coach, it's, it's not grumpy. So it can happen, right? Jesus is an interesting person. He can be subtle. There's an author, and I appreciate this perspective. Uh, the man of sorrows had a sense of humor, and the prince of peace could get really angry. He's a real person. Okay, so their sad walk, Jesus' sly conversation, and their opened eyes. This is so amazing, right? In their sadness, they're walking with Jesus, and then he starts telling them about himself all through the Bible. This is, this is a, such a wonderful verse, right? 24, 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets... He interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Hey, guys, you know, you know Genesis 1, God created the... That's about me. You know, you know the story um, with the Tower of Babel? That's about me. You know Noah and the ark? That's about me. Exodus, every page is about me. Leviticus, the place you start skipping, is about me. Some of those places are pretty 
we can find them out. Like, you know, you start, you start realizing that Melchizedek is sort of a mysterious person, shows up real briefly, and comes up later. And so you backtrack, and it's like, okay, I'm not saying Melchizedek is Jesus, but there's something connected to him with Jesus, right? There are times when Jesus does show up in the Scriptures before he comes. So we can like learn these things as we go. There are things in Isaiah and the Psalms that are about Jesus. Now, let's just be honest, though. Sometimes, Song of Solomon, I know it's about Jesus, but we've got to do a little more work together, don't we? Leviticus, we might have to do a little more work together. But that's why we need each other. Let me say this. We also come to the Scripture with some different interpretations or, or life knowledge. So we need you kids to tell us what you think this is about. So we can hear, because I've, I've sort of forgotten what it's like to be 10. Or, or if you're single or going through a, a problem or, or you know, you've lost a, a parent or a child, you're coming to the Scripture with things we need to know about with each other. So we look for Jesus in the Scriptures together on our Emmaus roads. Will we see him? We will. Will he mess with us? Yeah, he will. But it's so awesome when you see him, isn't it? Because he went a little farther. And where did their eyes get opened? While they were having a meal. They were breaking bread. They were having fellowship. And Jesus broke it and blessed it and gave it to them. This fellowship, this supper, this meal. Their eyes were open. They had been walking and eating with the resurrected Jesus. Can you imagine? And they, he had served them. And they thought back, it's like, whoa! The guy who was telling us about how everything was about Jesus was Jesus! We were talking to him about him! All the things we had hoped for that we thought were all dashed are all true. They're even more amazing. He told us it was necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and enter to his glory. You know, because Jesus walked alone that path, he could walk with them and they could walk with him. Because Jesus walked into the valley of the shadow of death not even the shadow, into the actual valley of death. We can be brought to life because he was abandoned. We are accepted and the world can be filled with life and beauty and goodness because he gave up the Father's love and took the wrath of God. We can find the Father's love, embrace, because he went down the dusty road of death, we can walk with him in beauty and goodness.
we can know God through Jesus. Almost done. There's this uh, girl in England. She uh, asked her dad, who wasn't a Christian, how did God get invented? She was uh, six. And so her father sent that question out to different leaders and pastors. And, and one answered, his name's Rowan Williams. He's the Archbishop, Archbishop of Canterbury. And so he wrote Lulu this letter. Your dad has sent on your letter and asked if I had any answers. It's a difficult one, but I think God might reply to you like this. Dear Lulu, nobody invented me, but lots of people discovered me and were quite surprised. They discovered me when they looked around the world and thought it was really beautiful or really mysterious and wondered where it came from. They discovered me when they were very quiet on their own and felt a sort of peace and love they hadn't expected. Then they invented ideas about me. Some of them are sensible and some of them aren't. From time to time, I sent them some hints, most especially in the life of Jesus, to help them get closer to what I'm really like. But there was nothing and nobody around before me to invent me. Rather, like someone who writes a story in a book, I started making up the story of the world and eventually invested human be- invented human beings like you who could ask me awkward questions. And then, so, so the letter's over, and then he'd send you lots of love and sign off. I know he doesn't usually write letters, so I have to do the best I can on the, his behalf. Lots of love for me too. I love that letter. He's saying the things we're saying, right? You can find Jesus in places. But also he takes her question seriously. Every person wants to be listened to, understood, and taken seriously. I think Jesus listens, understands, and takes you seriously as you walk with him and as we walk with him together. Amen.